Juliana. I'm an entrepreneur, founder of TTYL, a human connection advocate, an event host, a writer, a coach, and most importantly, a human that's just trying to figure it out. Welcome to Ghosts of Dates Past, a podcast about first date horror stories to break down dating stigmas in our society. Each week, I'll invite a new guest onto the show to discuss their real life first date horror story, as well as their best first date. Because let's be honest, we don't focus on the positives enough when it comes to dating. In all seriousness, I started this podcast after realizing most people avoid having difficult conversations, choosing to hide behind their technology, or put into my words, ghost. I'll be exploring the current dating etiquette from dating apps to situationships and everything in between. Let's dive in to today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ghost of Dates Past. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend. I'm here today with Daniel, who we actually met on an awesome app called Quilt, which you all should be a part of. We're both ambassadors for, and it's basically like a better version of Clubhouse. I I don't know if I should say that, but (laughs) it's more wellness-based, I would say, and smaller conversations, a similar vibe. It's all audio. So think of it as like a larger Zoom call where you can just hop on, but you don't have to see people's faces. So it takes away that kind of constantly checking yourself and making sure you look good in the Zoom call vibe. But Daniel is super awesome. We connected on the app. He works in digital advertising, went to Pace University, and he loves to, well, specifically on the app, he loves to explore skincare and on the side, he loves photography and fashion, meditation, longboarding and snowboarding. I thought those were cool fun facts about him, but I'll let him explain more about who he is. Hi, Daniel. Hello, Liana. How are you? I'm doing well. How's your weekend been so far? The weekend has been good. I'm, I mean, in Los Angeles, you know, our weather when it gets cold, it's only cold temporarily, and then the sun decides to come out, and it's like a nice consistently spring day. I know in New York, you all had a rough storm last week, right? Yeah, so we had a rough storm and it has been snowing again all day today. I went out briefly with my friend to this cool exhibit called Arctic House down in Chelsea. So that was a fun excursion, but it was quite snowy. So happy to be indoors for the rest of the day. Oh, I feel that. When I first moved to New York, I was so excited to see snow and everyone on my floor was like, Daniel, what's wrong with you? Snow is not that cool. <laughs> and then obviously, you know, like to the first week I was like, oh, black ice. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I I fell on the ice a couple months ago during our first really bad snowstorm of beer in the park and had a gnarly bruise on my thigh for a month or so and yeah it's scary out there for sure oh my god I'm so sorry that sounds rough it was rough but we're fine we're okay you know I'm young I got some padding on those thighs so we're we're okay we're okay there you go there you go I love that (laughs) but so why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about you and your own words and then we'll dive into our first day horror story yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so as Liana mentioned, we met on Quilt. Recently, they've they've been kind of changing up their about me 
of the app. And now they're marketing it as a place to have feel good conversations. So it's mm-hmm. in the same realm of Clubhouse, except obviously we want all the conversations to be surrounded around that. We want everyone to f- leave a quilt conversation better than they first entered it. So, mm-hmm. um, and obviously I think that's so necessary right now, especially during this pandemic, you know, physical physical touch is so limiting. Meeting friends in person is so limiting. So it's nice to have a, a you know, a safe space to mm-hmm. dedicated to that feel good conversation. It, it's kind of like having a bunch of best friends on call at all times. Yeah, that's such a good way to put it. And I've honestly made so many great connections I mean you and just um, a bunch of other amazing people on the app that are just I constantly message them on Instagram or text or whatever because they're truly wonderful people and I feel like everyone there is there for the same purpose of self-growth and just mindful conversations exactly yeah and 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 you know that whole thing as being adults, everyone's always like, it's so hard to make friends. Mm. I feel like Quilt, for me personally, it's like, this is one of the many solutions to explore, to make friends as an adult. Yeah. So anyways, so me and Liana did meet on Quilt. And for me, I'm such a creative junkie and also a physical activity type of person. I love working out, longboarding, recently started snowboarding, and that's been super fun. Have also had a lot of bruises all, all over my legs and all over my body from falling, which um, <laughs> sometimes are not fun. But I think I think for what it's worth, it's actually pretty great because you can't really learn until you actually you know go through the motions of it. Creatively, I really love. I've been in love with makeup, especially eye makeup and photography. That's I've always been a fan of photography. I grew up in a very creative household. My mother grew up as a tailor and a dr- painter. She drew, you know, with just like a pencil and paper. So I had a lot of really creative influences growing up. Now, Liana, it looks like we want to start off with the horror story first. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I do want to, I just, I loved your intro too. And I love the creativity and mixed in with the adventure. I think that's such a great combination. I'm the same way. Yeah. And and listen, I'm also very disciplined, which I'm sure you are too, you know, being in New York, growing up in New York. For For those of you listening, me growing up if you move to New York you will learn what discipline is whatever you think discipline is New York level discipline is some is on a whole nother level and it'll set you up for life oh yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> so true though because I feel like well I went up to upstate to school in Ithaca and the second I got there it was okay chill you know smoke some weed get your work done whatever very upstate New York very upstate yeah. New York right yeah. yeah yeah and yeah it's nice to get away to those places but you know that's what vacation is for exactly exactly Yeah, that, you know, talking about college, I think that's a whole different podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yes, yes, Leona, I'm I'm, I'm glad that that description of discipline resonated with you. I'm glad. It does. It does. So yeah, take it away. Let's hear the awful date story. Oh my goodness. Okay. So when I was thinking about this, it took me a while, but then I landed on one and I I blocked it out of my memory because it was so bad. So... So, you know, like in the gay dating world, a lot of, there's a lot of creatives naturally, right? And being in LA, it's just land of creatives and aspiring artists, which I think is absolutely beautiful. However, I've seen my fair share of dating those, that specific population demographic. So I was going on a date with the 
writer. And remember back in the day when we used to have dates at restaurants? <laughs> <laughs> so, he, you know, we, we've been talking for a while. We talked in the summer, but then he deleted his app. And then we downloaded it and rekindled that fire. And we continued that conversation. He He's a cancer, which is, again, something we'll, we'll get into later. But basically, I show up. I'm like, all right, this dude seems pretty chill. I had no expectations. And that was probably a red flag, too, because I wasn't nervous. Because I probably knew it wasn't going to be anything special. And I show up, I see him from maybe 50 feet apart. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> he had pirate shorts on, a, a red leather jacket with a normal, a normal hoodie zip. And he had these brown leather boots on. Immediately, I'm like, okay. This dude, he he's probably read what fashion is and probably probably thought, okay, if I wear denim with a leather jacket and some awesome boots, I'll be good, right? However, the execution of that wasn't that great. And then <laughs> <laughs> so I get there and then I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe his personality will make up for it. This becomes a thing. Maybe I can help him with his wardrobe because I'm a huge fashion, I'm a huge fashion fan. So, you know, we have the dinner. Oh no. Yeah, we have the dinner and it's two hours. Liana. It was the longest two hours of my life. I was like, I need to abort mission. And the thing with me is that if I'm getting to know somebody and if I'm not vibing with them, I don't want to open up to them, right? Mm. Now I now that could stem from a multitude of things. But in this case, I just wasn't vibing. And he in this case, he definitely was vibing with me. And he was trying to ask me, he was asking me really good questions, but I just wasn't having it. I'm, I stuffed my face. I asked the waiter for the check early. He tried to walk me back to my to my car where it was parked. And we hugged and I was like, oh, I got to get out. So whatever. We part ways. We say goodbye. I could hear in his tone that he was hopeful that, you know, that I would give him a second a second date. But I was like, uh-uh, we're not doing this. So <laughs> and then I get home and then he texts me and then he's, oh, that was such an awesome first date. In my mind, I'm like, wait. The way that I acted with you, you're saying that was a great first date. I think I ended up either, I can't remember if I ghosted him or if I, or if I just told him this is not going to work out. I can't remember. Yeah. Leona, that is my first date horror story. Oh, oh, I, oh, I know those dates. I know those dates when you <laughs> are sitting there and just want to get away, but you are trying to be a good person and are just. And you have you know, food in front of, of you. You have to finish your meal. Oh, a hundred percent. Well, who who paid? That's that's the, oh well, like that's the key well, question. um, I prefer to split 50-50 on first dates because I don't want to set any say. I, I okay. don't want expectations. I don't want anyone to feel like we owe each other anything. Mm, um, mm -hmm. That's fair. That's just that's the way fair. that I roll. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like if you were if your money was invested in this, you 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 definitely had to finish your meal, a hundred percent. There you go. There you go. Now, listen, if it's a good date and he offers to pay, oh my God, totally fine. But if it's a bad date and he offers to pay, I'll say no, we'll split 50-50. Yeah. Yeah. So no, yeah. yeah, no one leaves feeling bad or guilty about anything. That's actually, that's actually a really good, a good tip. I feel like if, so then you don't feel bad about texting them later and just saying, hey, not really interested. And they can't, say, oh my God, I just dropped all this money on this person and they don't even like me. Exactly. Exactly. Now, obviously that's, that's just a generic rule of thumb for me. It depends on the date itself, but for the most part, my philosophy with first dates is just to, I know the fact that I have a philosophy shows you how long I've been doing this for, right? <laughs> I love it. But yeah. 
yeah, but you know, my philosophy with first dates is set the expectation and not to, I personally don't want to lead anybody on. So I don't want anyone to have to pay for me personally. Yeah, no, that a hundred percent makes sense. But I also hope you didn't fully ghost him because we got to be reformed ghosters here, Daniel. <laughs> I know I don't. And, and here's the thing. When I, when I said that in the moment, I was like, God dang, I do not want to be that person because I hated being ghosted back in the day. I remember being my first time being ghosted and it hurt. It hurt. So, so I try my best to, I have been trying my best to not do that and be very transparent be like, Hey, I don't think this is going to work out. Yeah. Honesty yeah. is the best policy as they say. And we're, we're making a, a hashtag reform ghoster. So you're on the path. Yes. Making... Yes. I love that. Yes. Yes. I think it's great as well. So yeah, you, you know, you live and you learn, but so growing up, how did you navigate the gay culture in general? And did you have any idols in the media? And who are they now? Oh, great question. Okay. So I grew up in the late 2000s. I was a preteen and a teenager in the late 2000s, early 2010s. So my idols during that time were, well, obviously Lady Gaga. I am, mm -hmm. I know. Half of your listeners are probably rolling their eyes. Oh, God, another little monster. It's true. That, that was my idol, and it still is. I'm not going to make this a Lady Gaga podcast, but I'll just let you know she was one of them. And then, obviously, YouTubers were really big back in the day, especially the original YouTubers. When we didn't have Instagram influencers, where we didn't have TikTok, we had YouTube, right? And all of the originals, so Tyler Oakley, Connor Franta, Troy Sivan, Grace Helbig. Th these weren't gay icons, but th these are people in the media that I looked up to because they truly were themselves. Even, uh, and, sh and they were so open. And again, they were the original YouTubers, right? Nowadays, it's normal to vlog and show your everyday life on Instagram stories or on TikTok or Facebook, whatever medium you're using. What other idols? There were some, there, there were some actors that I had crushes on who ended up actually being gay. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I did like you for a reason, you know? And in terms of my idols now, Gaga definitely is still one of them. And those, those YouTubers that I, I looked up to and watched religiously, now I kind of see them more as humans. And I think that's just a part of life, right? Realizing that no one has it together once it hit 25, mm. right? So for, so right now, my idols, my idol at the moment is obviously Lady Gaga. And she's somebody who I just, she's always been true to herself. She's, her mission is to always be kind and to always push that narrative of no matter what the situation is, always be kind because you never know what another person's going through and they're, and vice versa. They don't know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, and there are some other idols I look up to ish, but for the most part, in, in terms of celebrity, pop culture, people, it's Gaga. In my personal life, it's my mom. My, my middle name is Fee and that's my mom's first name as well. So she gave me that when I was born and she's just, she's been through the ringer. So just seeing, just seeing what she has been through in her life. And as I got older and as she opened up to me more and told me about those hardships and how she overcame them or didn't overcome them, that's just been such great energy to have in my genetics, if that makes sense. And I'm very blessed to have that. And I recognize that now as an adult, but yeah, yeah. So that's the idol portion of that question. Now, in terms of how did I navigate gay culture growing up? Oh. So I was one of those kids who grew up rejecting it, right? So I remember in middle school, I was very, I wasn't, okay, homophobic isn't the right word, but I didn't understand gay marriage. I didn't understand it because I didn't understand myself at the time. And 
the beginning of high school, my thing is if you were hot in middle school, I don't trust you. So, so that's, so, so that's rule number one. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of high school, freshman, sophomore year were kind of rough. And then rough in the sense that I didn't know who I was. I didn't know, I, I didn't know back then that I had anxiety. And mm. I remember summer going into junior year, I just had this epiphany. I realized I was gay and I, I was open to myself. And I was like, so nonchalant because this is, this is who I am. And this is what the world has to take. They have to take me for, for what I am right now. And I never really came out to people in high school if somebody asked me be like yeah and this is what I'm having for lunch too so moving on you know and in terms of gay culture I didn't really explore it and dating until I got to New York when I went to Pace University and I think I started dating my sophomore year so I think when I was 19 20 years old and again I think I think in terms of dating I think most people whether they are gay or straight or everything in between I think we all have somewhat similar stories when it comes to dating, right? Having our ghosts, having really good dates that end up, then you realize that they're actually not a great person a couple of dates later. And, but also meeting people that you actually want to have a relationship with, and then they end up breaking your heart or vice versa. You have to break someone else's heart because you're not feeling it as much as they are. But yeah. Leona, does that answer your question? <laughs> oh my gosh. 10 times over. Yes, it was so beautiful. I loved everything you said. And I think going back to the culture part of the question, just Lady Gaga as a figure, I love the being kind to everyone because you never know. And that's actually something that my grandma always says, says about life. It's one of her life mantras, I guess, is just be kind because you never know who you might cross, cross paths with at the end of the day. And it's not worth it to hurt anyone. I think that's just such a beautiful message overall. And yeah, I mean, I went to one of her concerts when I was in high school and she was just amazing. It was so cool. Yes. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask any questions about it because I will end up talking about her for half an hour. So I won't ask, (laughs) but I'm glad you had, yeah, (laughs) I'm glad you had that experience in high school. Yes. Yes. And I, yeah, I completely agree with what you said that everyone goes through their own journeys of figuring out who they are because I think no matter if it's about figuring out your sexual orientation or figuring out the person that you want to become I think we all have our own journey and some journeys for some people are harder than others because of the way our society has been set up and that there's hatred in our society which is terrible and I wish it weren't a thing but for some people just because of this hatred, it it can be a more difficult journey. But I completely agree that everyone goes through hardship. And I think also with your mom, what you were saying about your mom and how learning about her hardships and how she overcame things. And I feel the same way about my mom and how she's opened up to me over the years. And I think it's beautiful that you have someone so close to you and a great role model. And like you said, that the genetics in your system to to overcome those hardships and understand just, yeah, how to get through life and have a really good outlook and a positive outlook on, on everything around you. Liana, very well said. I'm speechless. Very well oh. said. But what I want to add to that too, is that we have to listen. Well, we don't have to, but if you trust somebody who's older than you and who has a couple more years on you, they probably have just a little bit, if not a lot more wisdom to offer. Right. Mm-hmm. So but, but what you said about your grandma, the fact that your grandma said that 
to me makes that even more powerful because she has she she's lived two two more generations than both of us right and for her to simply just say this is one of my mantras she's put that she's put that to the test through time Mm. and through so with so many people to confirm that this is the way that I want to live is to be kind so I think that's super powerful Mm, yeah, yeah, I 100%. I agree. I there's actually a post I made about this a while ago. She told me three things and I'm trying to remember the other two. I'll have to look back and find them, but yeah, she's she is a a wise lady. She's 96. She's got her marbles. Shout out to grandma. That's amazing. <laughs> 96. I know. And and it sounds like healthy. She has all of her marbles intact. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. You know? Yeah, she's great. She's great, but I love that. I love everything about what you were saying. And I think delving a little bit more into that, there's the whole nature versus nurture conversation when it comes to life in general, who you spend your time with, et cetera. But also I think we can discuss it in a dating sense. So what do do you believe that we date people based on who we grew up around or who we choose to surround ourselves with now? Another great question. So I think naturally, people are probably going to hear that question. Well, at least in my personal experience, I think people will hear that question and think, oh, no, it's not nurture. That's what I feel deep in my gut. I get butterflies when I look at these type of people or or I get butterflies in these type of conversations with certain people, right? In my experience, I think I, again, I can only speak from my personal experience and say that nurture did have a lot to play in, in my dating preferences. I grew up in a majority white neighborhood and I went to school there because it was a lot better than the schools that were directly around me. And the schools directly around me were more Asian or non-white, essentially. The schools around me are essentially, white is not the dominant race. And keeping it real with you, you know, like I grew up in this town, El Segundo, a really small town south of LAX population size of 1500 people and the majority of my classmates were white all the quote-unquote popular kids were white and that matched unfortunately the media that I was consuming right because this there was a lot of I mean there still is a tremendous lack of diversity in representation across the board in in modern western media and I think growing up around that and also being friends with those people for me personally, I can say that nurture did have an effect on, on me. And then I, I lived that for what, 10 years and then maybe not 10 years, eight, 10 years or so. And then I went to college and that's all I knew was I found white people attractive. I didn't find Asian people attractive or in the sense of physical attraction that I would consider seeing myself with. And it's such a messed up thing to say, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm telling you my truth. Right. And as I've gotten older and, you know, I've dated a lot of, not mind you, there's a huge difference between fetishizing and preferences. I'm not going to get into it. But in this case, I think as I got older and I started to love myself a lot more, I, that statement that I just said about how I used to not find Asians physically attractive changed. And now I see the beauty in them and, and the physical attractiveness in them. And now, and, and I think that just goes hand in hand with, with me coming back to my nature and me coming back to myself and realizing this is who I am in the mirror. Why am I hating that so much? Mm. Or, or, and that, that hate was subconscious. I didn't actively think that. A couple minutes ago, I was talking about Gaga and how much she's talking about self-love and kindness and, and being the spearheader for positive affirmations. But I wasn't processing that as deeply as I should have. So to answer your question, overall, 
I do think that nurture definitely has a lot of influence. I've seen that with my cousins as well. If they went to the same high school that I did or a similar situation where they grew up in a certain crowd, that's kind of all they knew. Or maybe they were only friends with these types of people and that's kind of who they end up, that's who they end up attracting or who they are attracted to. And then vice versa, you know, I have friends and other people in my family who stick to their guns and they're like, this is who I've always, these are the types of people that I've always vibe with, whether I've been around them or not. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, there were a lot of powerful things in that answer. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I can relate to that a lot as well. I think growing up, I was surrounded by a very strong Jewish community. My middle school was mostly Jewish. I, it was 40 kids in my class from the time I was three, I was with the same people from three years old to 13. So when I went to high school and then college, I was, it was like I was slowly being introduced to society, kind of. I wasn't really aware of a lot of other cultures, a lot of other, even mental health really until college. And I feel like the world kind of opened up in front of me as I got older. and being around this very Jewish community, I remember thinking when I was a kid that that was really the majority of the world. I had no idea, you know, and obviously learned about the Holocaust and everything in the Jewish community and Jewish history. But I was, because it was my prominent upbringing, I wasn't really aware as much of other religions or that they were more prominent than mine, I thought it was the center of my world. And so being thrown into a world with so many other religions and then realizing, oh, wait, I'm actually a minority. I'm actually not the majority of the world at all. I'm in this very small bubble. I was born in a bubble in New York City and being exposed to all these different new types of people, it really expanded my outlook on life and my outlook on other people and learning about different perspectives and other hardships that people have gone through because of their culture or religion or mental illness or whatever it is. And I think there was something really beautiful in that. So yeah, it's kind of a combination of, I think I was very much in a nurture situation when I was younger and then similar to you being exposed to more as you get older and then maybe coming around to realize and and that idea of coming back to self-love too. I think I went through that as well, realizing that I wasn't a majority and, and fighting. I didn't have a connection to my religion. And so fighting that and finding more of a societal attachment to Judaism than a religious one. I wish you could see my face right now. I've been nodding the entire time. Yeah, I totally, <laughs> Leona, I totally hear you on that. Whenever I get a chance to talk to young people, people who, whether they're in high school or maybe they are in community college or maybe they're freshmen in college at the moment, I always say, listen, if you can, and if you have the opportunity, live somewhere else. And Mm. I think living in New York, it sounds like as you got older and explored New York a little more, you met a lot of people from all over the world. That I think is the coolest thing ever is to see someone else's perspective who have a completely, or if not, a very similar background to you. Mm. Even though they've come, even though despite 
where they might actually come from, whether it's the town next to you or it's in a city across the country. Yeah, yeah. And I think even even within my family, you know, I think I personally never went to Hebrew school. So my parents Mm. are not as religious as some people in my family. My dad's side is more religious. And so I think it took me a long time. I had to do my own growth and understanding of our religion and of our culture. And it wasn't even until recently when I went on my birthright trip that I was able to really understand and then look at those people in my family with a very different light because I finally understood and finally went to a place where people could teach me. And I think I wasn't, it was such a, it was seen as an obligation, I think, as a child to become bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah and to kind of go through this coming of age situation that I never resonated with. Yeah, it, it very much opened my eyes. I think going to different, like you said, traveling, living in different places, exploring the world. And just, I think that's been more of a, I see, I don't know, I see travel personally and an exploration of the world as a way to explore my spirituality. And I connect much more to that than to a yep. religion or a organized society. Yep. 100%. I'm right there with you. And Leona, yes. I'm so glad you went on birthright. I didn't know you went on birthright recently. That's awesome. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah, it was a few years ago now, but I've I've made some really great friends. And I went with my best friend from college. Actually, we didn't even know we were both Jewish until I think junior year. And we were driving. I remember driving in her car and she just turns to me and she goes, wait, by the way, I never asked, but are you Jewish too? And we both have been <laughs> literally, it was mind blowing because that was the first time I was in a mainly yeah. Christian uh, a community. And I had, we had no idea. We were both the, basically the only Jewish people or some of the only Jewish people in this whole town and our whole class. We had no idea. It was so funny. And we just, we made a pact to go on, to go on birthright together. So Isn't that amazing? Out. Isn't that amazing how the universe works? That's awesome. I'm so glad you had that experience. I've only heard really great things. And the idea of coming back to the homeland or studying where you came from, I think is something that is so awesome. Um, Yeah. I definitely want to do in a couple of years, obviously when it's a little safer. (laughs) Yes, yes, 100%. Well, I just want to ask you one more question before we delve into the best date. Yeah. So, because you kind of touched on this a little bit, and obviously, if you're comfortable talking about it, but we, you discussed this idea of fetishes in the gay community. And so I kind of want to explore that with you. And can you delve more into like what they are? And do they make navigating the gay community more or less difficult when it comes to dating in your experience? Mm. Okay, Liana, you know I'm an open book. Based on the quilts you've been in, you probably know I am an open book. (laughs) So with this one, this is something that I talk about often with people who ask me about my dating experience, is that I run into a lot of fetishizations, or fetish, I don't know how you say that, but I run into a lot of people who fetishize me, because I am an Asian American and I'm a little bit mixed with a couple different Asian things. I'm majority Vietnamese. I have a little bit of Chinese in me, but that mix kind of throws people off. So at least people who are not familiar with Vietnamese culture will not know that I am Vietnamese. They kind of looked at me like, oh, maybe he's Filipino or maybe he is mixed with Korean or maybe he's a little bit Chinese, but half white, whatever, whatever the case may be. So I want to start off by saying that fetishiz- fetishizing and preferences are two completely different things. There's 
there's some arguments that fetishes don't actually exist in the dating world, but I beg to differ. The way that I like to decipher it is, for example, I'll use myself as, as an example. I used to only date white men, right? Now, that doesn't mean that I, I will date any white man. If I'm, if I'm on Tinder and I'm scrolling left to right, for the most part, it's left a lot of the time. And there are some people based on the photos that they have. Do they look cultured? Their personality? I try to, you know how these dating apps are. You can only get so much insight on a profile and based on other factors, I'll swipe right. However, let's say I fetishize white guys, right? If that were the case, I would be swiping right on every single white guy, no matter what they look like, no matter what their photos were, no matter what their mm. bio was, no matter what their job, no matter what they did for a living, no matter what. In my case, I had a white preference. When I was first starting my dating career, we'll call it that, but vice versa, I ran into a lot of situations where 90 something percent of the boys I dated, we'll call them boys because they were not men, of the boys I dated fetishized me because I'm Asian. One guy that I dated literally said his type is the more browner, the better. Mm. And what he meant by that was the more mixed you are, the more racially ambiguous you are, the harder you are to me is basically what he was alluding to. Obviously that mm. was a red flag and I was like, okay, I'm out. But you know, in the gay community, it's very, it follows very similar social cues to modern society. And what I mean by that is if you kind of look at it on a, I guess like a totem pole of dating, the one that's most desirable are white men. And then, and then I kind of, this is really messed up. I'm going to be honest with you. Back when I first started dating, I would get frustrated. I'd be like Asians, Asian men, at least in normal dating too, are at the bottom of the totem pole right next to, right next to black women. Right. I think, I think that's how it, I am pretty sure I remember hearing about that in normal dating interviews that I've listened in on. In this, in this instance, I felt like Asians in the, in the Western gay dating world were at the bottom of that tone pole. So it started, the top one was white men. And then at the, the very last priority were Asians. So I found that on these apps, I wasn't really matching with a lot of people because when I was one, I was, I had a preference and also I was looking out for certain factors, like what kind of jobs they have? Do they have hobbies? Do they have friends? But then the majority of the time they would just be fetishizing me and I would find out through either their tag photos means that maybe they were someone who was not white and all their friends were white or excuse me, and, and all their friends were Asian. Mm. And I was like, Ooh, that's kind of a red flag because I'm like, are you only, are you only trying to date me because... I am Asian or are you actually interested in, in me as a person? Mm. Like the way that I did when I swiped right on you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so eye-opening to me because I don't, and I know we briefly discussed this before this podcast, but I'm not really aware or I didn't know a lot about fetishes and especially in the gay community, but I think I really liked the distinction of you explaining the difference between fetishes and preferences, because I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. And maybe it's not a conscious choice that people are realizing, but it's something subconscious when they're swiping and they're constantly swiping on a certain person. They don't, it's, they're calling it their preference, but maybe it is a fetish and they just don't realize it. Exactly. And I remember I went on a date with someone, they were saying how they consulted the other rice queens. In the gay dating world, they have these superlatives that they called, I think that's the right term for it. They refer to them as queens. And in this case, if you're somebody, typically a white male, 
who only dates Asians or fetishizes Asians, you would be, you would fall under the rice queen umbrella, a really messed up thing and title that exists in the gay community in the in the dating world but just being honest that those are the people that I usually dealt with and and again I've been single this entire time never had a relationship so wow no it's it's eye-opening for sure I I didn't even know about those those terms as well and I I definitely want to delve more into that with a question after your next date story. But thank you for sharing and being open about all of that because I know that is a definitely more can be a more touchy conversation. So I appreciate your openness with me. Of course. <laughs> I love to hear your best date story. Okay. Okay. So this one was actually really good. We met up at a restaurant because it was pre-pandemic. <laughs> yeah, we met up at a restaurant and we were just really vibing with each other. We had a really great conversation. We had really great food. It was in a really great area. It was, I think it was in Long Beach. So after the dinner, we ended up walking to the beach and we just walked along the boardwalk and we ended up on a lifeguard tower and literally hung out in a lifeguard tower all night. And we made out and then continued talking and it was great. And I literally looked at him at the end of the night. I was like, hey, that was actually the best first day I've ever had. And yeah, it was very, it was very wholesome. I love that. What do you think made it a great first date? Do you think it was just you felt a connection that you never had with this person? Mm. I think it was the thing about the date that made it good was he had really strong social cues and he treated the waitstaff so Mm. kindly and was also just really friendly with them. And I know that is not something we should be praising, Liana, but unfortunately it is a fact of life. There are a lot of yeah. people who treat wait staff like garbage and it's, and it's not cute. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. It was, it's so funny on my last live. I don't know if you watched, but my, my best friend came on and she, that was one of the things that she said. We, we talk about that all the time, how if you don't treat the wait staff well, then that's, that's a big red flag. And honestly, it, I think it's not just a wait staff thing. I think it's just how do you treat other people that you interact with on a daily basis that are just passerbys in your life and aren't 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 main characters? So if they're not your your friends or your coworkers or maybe your doctor, or whoever, not people that you would see maybe yearly, bi-yearly, or every day, then that goes to show a lot about the kind of person you are. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. And, and and also he, he was, this guy was cool. He was genuinely really friendly, well-traveled and a genuinely kind person, which Mm -hmm. I saw. And the fact that we hung out on a lifeguard tower, says a lot. The fact that I was willing to walk out there instead of, instead of just leaving the restaurant, be like, okay, bye. I'm never going to see you again. Got like a little bit of adventure to it. Exactly. There you go. Look at that. Wrapping full circle. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. I get it. I'm such a sucker for a good adventure or spontaneity on a date, especially a first date. It says a lot about someone. Agreed. Completely sure. agree. Awesome. Well, so going back to what we were kind of talking about right before this, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit, this whole concept of maybe just identifiers as a person mm. in general, and obviously specifically more for the gay community, but I think everyone, especially in today's era, we're seeing this whole pronoun conversation come into, into play. And 
very prominent now, even in the workplace and on LinkedIn, even for that matter, the she, her, they, them, he, him, how do you identify yourself? And so we didn't really grow up in that society. It's kind of- uh, I wish we did. Leona, I wish we had that. I wish we had that. It would have made life just a little bit, it would have made the world a lot less scary. Mm. In my Mm. opinion. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So- For me personally, I identify as he, him, and I recently added that to my Slack at work. So now, whether it's my name or if you at me, you'll see, you'll always see Daniel Fee, he, him, to normalize that, right? Even though I am a cis male, cis male, and I identify as that, shouldn't mean that you, Liana, should assume that my pronouns are he, him, right? And in terms of other factors, so when growing up, when people would talk to me, they're like, oh, when you grow up to be a man, you have to do X, Y, Z. I would literally reject it, close them out and be like, uh-uh, I'm not a man. I will never be one. That's not what I want. And growing up, I think in high school was when I realized that my preferred collective pronoun, this is, I, this is not really a normal thing. I think this is just my weirdness kicking in. For me personally, mm-hmm. I identify as a guy. Guy is a... Now it's more of a collective term for everybody. However, for myself, that's something that I genuinely identify as. Never call me a man, call me a guy. So for example, when people talk to me now and they're just getting to know me and they say, and they call me anything that has man in the name, I always correct them. No, 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 I'm a guy. And most of them usually are pretty good about correcting them, correcting themselves. Now in terms of, in terms of pronoun era, growing up, I knew that the LGBTQ community spearheaded this conversation about gender fluidity. Or if they didn't, at least I only heard it in in this community. So whoever's listening, if you have a fact check, hit me up on Instagram and let me know. (laughs) But but in terms of this pronoun thing, there's a lot of people in the gay community who are gender fluid and they identify themselves. They don't prefer to be called lesbian or gay. They prefer to call themselves queer as more of a collective. Mm -hmm. Like I I am in this. I, I, I am in this community, but I just kind of want to be referred to as the community as a whole, queer, as opposed to a lesbian, a gay, bisexual, transgender, whatever the case may be. That's how I interpret the letter, the letter Q and LGBTQAI plus. Yeah. And and in terms of now pronouns are, it's something that's a lot more common, especially in more progressive areas. So big metropolitan cities like Los Angeles, Austin, Atlanta, Orlando, New York, all, all those major, Chicago, all those major cities. I think it's, that's kind of where it's being normalized. And I think this also goes hand in hand now with being gay. It's cool to be gay now, right? Like mm. they, they revived Queer Eye and now this, re- this Queer Eye revival, all those five dudes are literally so much more popular and so much more well-known compared to the original Queer Eye from the middle 2000s, right? And I think so, I think because of that influence, now it's cool to be gay. It's cool to be in the LGBTQ community. These, these kids, these Gen Z and Gen Alpha kids, I know Gen Alpha, apparently that the next generation after Gen Z, we're going Greek. Uh, these Gen Z and Gen Alpha kids, <laughs> these Gen Z and Gen Alpha kids are so accepting of, generally speaking, from what I've seen on TikTok, they are more accepting of transgender peers. They're more accepting of people who identify as people who are in the LGBTQ community. They're more accepting of the fact that people are gender fluid. Like if Harry Styles is wearing a dress, they're like, oh, cool, moving on. You know, mm-hmm. it's, 
Yeah, but overall, I think going back to what I my initial my initial reaction, I wish we had that growing up because it would have made the world a lot less scary. Growing up with everyone assuming that Deanna, when you become a man, all of a sudden there's all of these expectations, right? Being a breadwinner, being most likely a cis straight male, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who's dominant, someone who is bossy. But then it's well, mm-hmm. what if I want to be a bitch? <laughs> you know? And you know, I'm I I won't get into it, but I love that word. And I think it's I think it's very powerful. But yeah, overall, I think if we grew up with that, the pronoun thing at school, if the te- well, the teacher was calling your name first week of school, you could the if the next question was how do you pronounce your name and what's your preferred pronoun? I think it would have helped a lot of people mentally. Mm, yes, a hundred percent. I think that is so well said. I love the idea of pronouns and make things a lot less scarier and are making things a lot less scarier for people who don't fit into society's boxes. I think that's something that as a society we're realizing. And I think this just kind of extends into, and I feel like we've had conversations about this on quilts, but how do you identify yourself, not just pronoun wise, but who are you? How do you introduce yourself? I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a writer, I'm a coach, I'm a, but you put all these titles onto your name, but you, if you can do that, you should be able to find words or identifiers that really resonate with your being, not about your career. Those are two different things. Exactly. And that's mainly because we live in that capitalist mindset, right? Where Oprah didn't even know what a brand was until someone until she realized all, all of her guests coming on in the 80s, I think it was the 80s, <laughs> all these mm-hmm. guests were coming on and using her platform. And she realized, I wait, so this is what a brand is? But now all of us are growing up and we, we associate with branding with our personality, right? And that's kind of mm-hmm. because of that capitalist mindset where you have to, you have to monetize everything that you do. Which again, I for one thing, I think it is powerful and I think it's amazing. But on the flip side, there is there needs to be definitely a sense of balance with that because just because I work in the advertising industry, I'm not gonna say in my bio that that's all I am. There's more to me than the fact that I work in advertising to make a living, right? Yeah, you are more than your work. That is that should be. We're such a work focused society, and I think that's the main issue. And people are realizing now. And I think it's also a very American culture thing because I know from experience just from traveling and learning about other cultures, especially European societies, that people work to live, not live to work. And that's our Mm -hmm. society's culture. And that is, I think, what America is now realizing. I think what the pandemic is teaching this country is that we need to create more balance around our work life because the life part of that is very low and I think we're all kind of waking up from this realization or this kind of weird world we live in in which we are just go 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 and we're human beings not human doings I love that that's a quote from someone but I love that I think it just stands true I might steal that, actually. <laughs> That's actually mm. really good and profound. Have you been seeing those tweets? Just the last thing. I've, se- I've, been, I've been seeing a lot of tweets about people saying, 
this is not the same body that used to drive an hour to commute and back five days a week. Like mm. those type of tweets where it is self-reflective. It is in hindsight, a 2020 perspective of our old lives before the pandemic. And I think it's one of the most beautiful things that we can discover because we need to find that balance now, because if we don't, who's going to stop us? Totally. Totally. Well, I'm glad you told me that because I actually don't have a Twitter. So I don't, I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I don't know what's <laughs> going on with the tweets or the whatever's the bird sounds over there. So <laughs> it's yeah, for the better. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. That's what people tell me. Same with TikTok. I'm not really active. I have one. I don't use it unless someone sends me a TikTok, then I can go to the app and watch it. But I did get on, well, I'm, I'm very big into the Bridgerton musical TikToks right now. So I have. Oh, been, uh, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I went love on a bit of a rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. They're oh, so good. So good. So one more question before we kind of close out. Yeah. God, I can't believe it's already been in almost an hour. So just in general, what is, what are your relationships? What's your relationship with the dating apps? And do you find that they generate more of a hookup culture rather than finding someone for a serious relationship? And I don't know if this is mm. specifically a, a gay culture going onto Tinder or Grindr, those kinds of things. Or do you find that you've met people in person? Kind of what are your thoughts around that? Yeah. So you know how, well, at least from what I've heard from all my girlfriends, my cis straight female friends who I do not have a relationship, like a romantic relationship with, they're ju just my friends. What I've heard from them is that Tinder is kind of like the hookup app for them, right? And then, but in mm -hmm. the gay community, Tinder's like green. He is, he's there for, if you kind of want something a little, the joke is, if you want a hookup, go to Grindr. But you want something a little bit serious, go to Tinder. Huh, that's because funny. the culture, and, and it's, it's so wild to think about because just, generically speaking, when you put a bunch of men together and they love and they are physically attracted to men also, you just have a ton of this high intensity sexual energy. Not saying that women are not sexual. I think women are definitely sexual, if not way more than men. But I think when it comes to gay culture, it the hookup thing is very prominent, definitely at the forefront of, at least specifically in the gay community. I can't speak for the the lesbian community, but my experience was, you know, I've used it all. I've had my, I've had my moments. I think we all go through it as being single. Kind of find a relationship. Well, it's like, okay, forget it. Then I'll just meet up with people and just explore, right? But and currently, I do not take these apps that seriously anymore. Now, well, it used to be a, it used to be something that I took very seriously, where I was like, I need to meet these people. I want to get to know them. You know, I want a relationship. That's something that I want. Or if it's very clear where, where it's like, we just want to hook up with each other, then so be it. But now as time progressed, obviously I've still single. Now it's more of a game where it's like, I'll open it up and then swipe for 50, you know, so about 50 people left or right. And then I'll put my phone down and go to sleep. And it used to be like, just a quick check-in type of thing. And if you, if you match with someone and in my opinion, if you don't reach out to me, then it's probably not going to work out. But if I'm genuinely really interested in you, then I'll reach out. I'm usually never the first one to reach out for most cases, but I, I deleted Grander because I was like so over it. That phase is over for me. I don't need it in my life. It, it was also very toxic and just very 
gross. I'm like, and grindy. And I'm like, that's not for me. But if it's for you, live your truth. I support whoever, mm-hmm. I support everybody living their truths and doing what they feel is right for them in their lives. It's just for me, just not anymore. So right now I have more of the other ones downloaded, but I am currently talking to somebody. So I haven't really been using it <laughs> that Ooh. often. Um, I know this is an exclusive for your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna, are we going to see you on People Magazine soon with your new boo? I mean, <laughs> honestly, probably, probably. And and I'm kind of joking. I'm like 70% joking, 30% serious. A hundred percent. I'm so excited to see you. Ne- you never know. <laughs> you never know. You're going to blow up tomorrow and exactly. it's going to be all over the news. So I'm, I'm exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely relate to that and snap to living your truth. Great quote, because I think that just, yeah, I think we all go through it through phases as well of different truths, different truths throughout our lives, because Mm. we ebb and flow, we change, right? I think with our intentions, when it comes to dating, with what our career is supposed to look like, especially in our 20s, I feel like we're just figuring out and figuring out ourselves and who we are. And I relate so much to what you were saying. I also got started later in life with my dating career and really just wanted to explore other people I think especially sexually mm-hmm. before I really knew the kind of person or the people that I was attracted to in terms of a serious relationship. And I think I'm finally settling down into this realization of the kinds of personalities that I'm attracted to. That's not just about the physical. It's about the emotional. It's about someone's aspirations or goals in life. And they all have to mesh up for you to feel comfortable really being around someone and feeling comfortable with someone else in a more monogamous and serious relationship than just a hookup culture scenario, which I've also lived and also had all the apps and I'm not on the apps now because yeah, it's exhausting. And I think there is that game element to it. That's kind of how they were designed for that, that dopamine rush for us to just swipe and then see if someone swiped back on us and feel that rush of, oh my God, this person likes me. But, and then it's the next step. It's the level up is, okay, who's messaging first? And then if they don't message us or message us back at all, then it's this, even we, we get into this very depressive state of, oh my God, we're not loved. We're not wanted because of these apps. It's absolutely crazy. It's a direct contribution to texting culture, right? There's now like texting etiquette and whether it's on the app or not, it's there, right? It's like, if they, if they don't respond to you, it's like, are they ghosting me or are they genuinely busy? But what I will say is a fellow quilter, Haley, an amazing human being always says on her weekly quilt. Yeah. I love her. She says, if someone genuinely likes you, they will make it known. You will not Mm. be having these games. And honestly, Liana, I'm having that now. And I'm Mm. like, wait, there's no games here. And to make it full circle, this guy that I'm talking to is half Vietnamese. So literally full circle talking about, isn't that so (laughs) gross? Oh, oh, wait. Oh, growth. Oh, growth. Gross. I mean, I mean, I say gross unironically when something's actually really cute. Like someone will say, oh my God, he bought me roses. I'll be like, oh, ew, that's gross. Yeah, but like yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. unironically, but, but yeah, growth. There's a lot of growth <laughs> happening and this one's pretty promising. But if we have a check-in on a different yes. episode, that might not, that may or may not be the case. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. I love it. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah. So the last couple of questions before we close out. Is, so the first yeah. one is, what is your ideal date? Ooh, okay. I am honestly such a hopeless romantic. I want the guy to like get me a rose. I know. Mm. Roses, I don't know why, but roses are so controversial. Some people are like, oh, that's so basic. Forget it. A red rose, whatever. I'm like, I just want to see effort, Mm. right? Where it's like, dress, try to dress nice, maintain really strong communication. I don't, we don't even have to hook up on the first. That's not something that I want. Oh, but this is a generic ideal date. I guess to be pampered, but to also be understanding about it where it's like, okay, you don't have to take me out to like a $200 dinner. But like if we're going to a $200 dinner, I'm totally down to split it 50-50. But you know, if they, if, if they initiate that with me, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm down. Like do it. If, because it, it's their idea. It's showing, they're showing their effort into proving how much they are actually interested in me. And then vice versa, me being accepting of all the signs that they're giving me. And mm. I think, I guess another tangent, but dating men, cis straight men literally put themselves through the ringer, right? They, they put themselves out there. They pay, they spend so much money on these, on, on women or whoever they're trying to court. And sometimes it's to no luck, right? And I remember another quilter, I think her name's Chloe. She's like our love expert in-house. And she was saying how if a guy texts you at 11 p.m. and they're like, come over, and you tell them, oh, no, I'm in bed, LOL. Generically speaking, they will they will process that as rejection, mm. right? Even even though it may come off as them just wanting to hook up. They, they process that as rejection, right? So in terms of the ideal date, if somebody's putting in all this effort and I'm receptive of it and I also give them that positive feedback loop, that's that's what I think is a really good date. Mm, mm, I love that. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with red roses. I mean, Beauty and the Beast, like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite Disney movie. Yes. Oh my God. Now, obviously, there's a lot of, yeah. But anyways. <laughs> that's great. I love that. Yeah, I completely agree. The date, it needs to be re- reciprocated on both ends. And that's, yeah, 100% exactly. a good date. And then how do you get yeah. excited for a date? Oh, okay. So this is, so now that I live in LA again, I've, New York has made me fall, fallen in love with driving. So mm. now when I drive to a date, okay, well, the guy will probably listen to this, but when I drive to a date, I always call one of my girlfriends and oh. I, I call him on the way. I'm like, I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm so nervous. And they're, and they all, and they hype me up and it's this whole thing, but they also, you know, calm me down. But I think, I think sharing that excitement with someone who I truly trust and people who are in my inner circle is probably one of the most powerful things Mm -hmm. because it's not just a party for one. This is, this is your whole crew that's partying with you now before you go on this date that you're excited for right? Instead mm-hmm. of approaching the date being like, oh, this is going to be a bad one, whatever. I think the energy you put out into the world is the energy you'll, you'll receive back. So, you know, going back to my first date horror story, I said that I wasn't excited for that date. I wasn't nervous because I kind of was like, eh, about it. And look what happened. I kind of knew it was going to be bad, right? But I remember distinctly for the best first date that I told you about, I, what, I think I went on my Instagram close friends and I told all my close friends, I was like, I'm so nervous. I have this date. I'm not going to take guys details, but ah, <laughs> but yeah. But again, with my ideal date, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. I'm the type of person, I'm such a homebody. I'm mm-hmm. such a homebody. So I'm totally down to just like hang out with you and grab some food and just like connect and vibe. But again, I'm also a fan of adventure. So if you want to mm-hmm. go longboarding together along the beach, let's go. Yes. Oh, I love, I love that. That's a new answer that I actually haven't gotten. And I think there's such power in community. And I think that I'm finding that through quilts. I'm finding that, 
you know, living by myself now. And <gasps> Wait, Brianna, that's such a great idea. My next first day, I should open up a quilt. <gasps> yeah. Be like, be like, everyone, I have a first date. Get in here. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Well, I guess we need to talk about first dates in general because I feel like oh my God, yes. we need to talk about it. Yeah, and I think- Well, I'll talk about so full circle. <laughs> yes, and I think you're so right too because there's something to be said about the energy. Love what you said, like the energy you put out is the energy you receive. And I think that's so true. If you, and I've done this before too, if I'm not in a good mindset or even have an iffy feeling about a date, it usually doesn't end up being great because I'm actually the one that's not making it great. It's not the other person, but I didn't do the prep on my end to be in the right mindset, to be yep. my full amazing self for this other person. And I think you're completely right. I think there's something really beautiful about having your hype people in your community just call someone up and say, hey, I'm super nervous. Can I'm getting ready. I would love just a quick pep talk. I mean, it's just so great to hear from your friends and just, and then they're invested and they can check in with you after and see how it went. And it's more of a share, exactly. It's more of a shared experience. They can feel excited for you as well. And it, yeah, it brings a, a nice positivity to a first date that could go either way. And no matter what happens, you know that you have your support group waiting for you. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Well said, Leona. Very yes. well said. I love that we're, we've been on such a great same page today. It's been great. I mean, like, um, I think, I mean, I think our dating careers are, are pretty much like very similar, despite our dating demographic, right? Yeah, no, they are. They are. I resonate with so much what you're saying. We'll have to continue the conversation. It's been so great chatting with you today. I've so, so enjoyed just all the different areas we've delved into. I think we've broken a lot of stigmas today. So <laughs> it's been, it's been really good. Liana, I am, I am a reformed ghoster. <laughs> yes. I think everyone has to just say it at the end of the podcast now as like a rite of passage. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You have, the only reason you're going to be on this podcast is if you agree to confirm and verbally say that you are a reformed ghoster. I love it. I love it. It'll be like when you're in court and you have to raise your right hand kind of situation. Ah, you ah, say, ah, I am a reformed ghoster. Repeat after me. And put um, your hand on the Chromatica Gaga Oreos as the Bible. <laughs> Full circle That's once the rule. again. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again, Daniel, for joining me. This is so great. And yeah, we'll stay, we'll be connected. Everyone join us on Quilt. Thank you so much again. Have a great one. Thank you, Liana, for having me. This is great. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode or this podcast in general, I would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate, and review below. And if you can think of anyone who would enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it. As a new podcast, the most helpful thing is to grow by word of mouth. After all, who doesn't enjoy a good date story? Lastly, if you would like to connect with me, please follow me on Instagram at ghosts underscore of dates past. And feel free to shoot me a DM if you have a comment, question, or would like to be a guest. I'm always looking for new people to bring on to the show. Hope you all have lovely weeks 
and I'll be back next week for another juicy episode. Bye for now.